Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome to the second episode of the 50 Most Relevant 2021 AFL season. Joining me on this episode, I got Tim. Hello, mate. Welcome and happy New Year. Yes, same to you. Cheers. Uh, it, it is well. Yesterday, Kane kicked us off with Jeremy Cameron. This episode, well, we're talking another forward line, but this time a brand new addition, former Pie, now Hawk, Tom Phillips, just the 24 years of age, and he has picked up forward eligibility. That's probably one of the big reasons why we're talking about him right now. In terms of last year, it wasn't his best ever year, and there's reasons for that we'll get into, but his best score in Supercoach came against the Ds. It was a 103, while in AFL Fantasy, it was a 101 against the Tigers. That's not an adjusted average score. That is actually what he delivered uh, against the Richmond Football Club. From a career perspective, his best ever scores, uh, both came in the same game against Fremantle. as 143 against the Dockers in fantasy and dream team back in 2018 and then also in that same game against the dockers it was a 1-3-1 in super coach based on his average last year considerable drop off what he's done the past few years it was a 63 in afl fantasy and dream team if you're talking adjusted averages which for afl fantasy that's how they've priced everything which by the way is just a multiplication of times 1.25 that's uh, around about a 78.75. Well, it's just under the 75 marker in Supercoach. In that format, he's going to be uh, costing it just over 400K, just over 600K in AFL Fantasy and 582,300 in Dream Team. And Tim is one of the Collingwood supporters here at the Coaches Panel. You can know more well and full well than anybody else uh, here at the panel. Um, Things just didn't go to plan for Tom Phillips last year. He spent the past couple of years being one of those dominant outside runners for Collingwood during 2018 and 2019. And then for whatever reason, he just didn't find that outside wing role for the majority of the year like he'd had previously, did he? Yeah, so the Pies, if you go back several years, they seem to have a fascination of trying to trade in wingers. And there was some talk they might play Jeremy Howe on a wing. They might have played, they've played Chris Main on a wing. They've tried um, Clinton Young from the Hawks back a while and all this stuff. And then they got Tommy Phillips at pick 58 and he's turned into the, a super fit winger. So mm. for anyone who doesn't know, he basically wins Collingwood's time trial every year. I don't know if he did the same with the Hawks or not, but basically just saying he's, it's not an injury issue. He's super fit. It's just purely the role. And until... I reckon it was actually late 2019. I kind of feel like he was pushed out of that a little bit more up forward. Yeah. Um, and then pretty much the whole of 2020 as well. Yeah. You know, Josh Dacos started to evolve as a football player and started to take more midfield time. Even the Brown boys, um, you know, when they were playing, would both occasionally roll through that midfield unit, still side bottom, started to push a little more on the outside as well as playing through the half forward flank last year in his games. And so there was a real evolution to how that Collingwood midfield kind of structured up as a result of that for Flipper with that uh, role change. Still loved him on the outside, but more coming off the half forward flank than being a pure wingman. Uh, he saw his uh, possessions drop from 23.9 in 2019 down to six 
16.36 less kicks a game. His marks um, dropped away from 5.1 to 3.1 a game. And as a result, with less possessions and opportunities to impact and get around the ball, we saw his fantasy scoring drop as well. His Supercoach season ended last year just at 74.9 with just the four scores, 90 or above, and a season-high 103. It was his sole ton for the year. While in Supercoach, that average of 63 or adjusted at 78, he went over 90 just once, and that was back in round two after the COVID break, which was a 101 against Richmond. And, and these numbers, Tim, are a, a drastic drop away from what he gave us the year before. In 2018 and 2019 in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, he averaged 95 and 90. He played every game across both those seasons. And during these 44 games, he scored 16 tons, including seven over 120. So it's a nice little bit of ceiling he's got. So in reality, um, he hit a, t- hit a ton 36% of games. And he only failed to score above 60 in just three of those games in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Well, Supercoach, the numbers aren't as strong. They're still pretty solid uh, across the format. Back in 2018, he averaged uh, 90, posted eight tons, went over 120 in four games. Additionally, he actually opened that season averaging 106 from his first 10 games. And then back last year before that, he averaged just a little bit less, 83 in 2019, but still four tons and an extra four scores between 90 and 99. And so when he gets that wing role, and it's important as we look to him now as a Hawthorne football player, um, as he gets that wing role, he looks like a really safe 90 guy in dream team and AFL fantasy, maybe variation of five points either side. And he looks a pretty safe 80 guy in super coach. Now with him picking up mid forward status, that does bring him into the relevancy conversation. Yeah, it definitely does. And as you said, it's, um, it's been pretty consistent across 2018, 2019. Most of the time, I think 2019 his first half of the season was higher, but still, Basically, when he's played in the midfield, he's been really solid, really consistent, doesn't really get injured. I think he had a hammy tweak at the end of this year. It was basically mm. his only injury in the last three or four years. So he's um, he seems pretty safe at his price, particularly in the two fantasy dream team ones. Um, yeah. Is he a bit more of an accumulator, a little bit less of a sort of Impact. damaging super coach player, yeah. perhaps? Yeah, he's an interesting one. I suppose the positive of him being played out of position in 2020, and I say that in in a sense of he looks just to be a pure wingman uh, in terms of when he's at his best. I suppose the benefit, there's a couple for us as we enter into this new season. One, he's got mid-forward DPP. At no point does an 80-something, 90-something midfielder make the list of the 50 most relevant. So the fact that he's now forward eligible that's hugely valuable for us because now we can pick him in a new line where a 90 is a midfielder in a salary cap format. You're going, whatever, there's 30 of them. Whereas a 90-odd mid that's now available as a forward, you're like, okay, now you're pushing the envelope of a top 10 to 15 player I'm interested. I suppose the other benefit of it is um, his scoring dropped away considerably on what he had done the past few seasons, meaning there is a little bit of value and some fat on the bone for us to go. And if we do want to go and pick Tom Phillips, that's a big benefit. And then I suppose the third part of it, as he was a part of the quote unquote salary, not salary cap dump at Collingwood, he finds himself at Hawthorne who also moved a wingman out of their side during the trade period. They did. So Isaac Smith, I'm sure the Hawks fans won't want us to talk about where he ended up. 
but the point from this podcast is that he's, uh, he's created a vacancy for a player like Tom Phillips. And I think Graham Wright said, you know, he's there to boost the outside mid stocks, which is what you want to hear from a fantasy point of view. Definitely that would be why Phillips went there. You'd think to play that, um, well, wing role, which he's best suited to with his, uh, his skill set. Yeah. Well, and, and you look at Hawthorne, it's not exactly like, while they're not the early 2000s most fantasy-friendly days where it was Mitchell, Hodge and Lewis dominating across all our sides um, and Buddy and Ruffy down in the forward line. Um, Isaac Smith, that new cat that you alluded to, he's shown over the past five or six years, even after that premiership era, that he's still able to score quite nicely for us on the outside. They've got that inside bull of Tom Mitchell and James Warple. They've got Jaeger O'Meara, who's a bit of the inside and outside type of midfielder. And, and so he does add a new set of complementary skills that while I know Tom Scully's there, he's not the Tom Scully of GWS days. He's not that incredible athletic, um, incredible damaging and impacting player. While he can still run all day, he just doesn't have the impact on the football games that he used to when he was playing at GWS. So there is that role that's opened up on that Hawthorne wing. He's shown he can score well for us over a 44, 50 game period, no problem. And we can pick him in the forward lines. So, so there's plenty to like about Tom Phillips. I, I suppose one of the concerns for us, Tim, might be that while he does offer value for us, it's a tough year for forwards to, to really have confidence that they're going to be guys that we could hold for the year. He, he's not priced at a point where you feel comfortable that you're going to make 100K off him. No problems. Maybe in AFL fantasy, you might be able to say that you could argue it in that format. You almost need him to become someone you hold for the year. But that top tier of forwards that we've got in 2021, it feels really strong. And we haven't even seen some of the teams really come back to their preseason training yet. Yeah, that's right. And you even look at the same, who's on the same buy round as him. I think he shares a buy with danger. Um, just for one off the top of my head. So if you're looking at, as you said, at his price, he's, you know, he's not really a moneymaker. He's really a guy you'd be hoping to be a premium for the rest mm. of the year or depending on trades, you might be able to flick him late in the season into something like an AFL fantasy, but he's going to be one of your last priorities. So he's yeah. he's not going to go down on his average unless he gets injured. He's, he's probably going to average somewhere between five and 25 points more than last year. So, you know, you'll be holding him most of the year, most likely. So you've just got to see if he's worth, if that extra bit of value is worth not having whoever else in your forward line. So if, you, if it's planning around buyers, if it's going for better value, if it's starting the top premiums, um, yeah. well, it's, it's hard it's, to fit in in that. Yeah, it, it is really hard. Like, you know, you mentioned Dangerfield, who he shares that round 12 buy with. Again, the perfect place would have been him in, in round 14 and you get every chance to look at him and then upgrade around him. But even others to, that are being talked about as, you know, the clear top tier group of forwards, Zorko, Marshall, Dusty, Sidebottom, even the guys that had down years last year for varying different reasons in Heaney, Dunkley and Green. It, it feels really difficult across the formats to argue that Phillips is ahead of these guys. And then even some of the players that are to come in the 50 most relevant, I'm not going to give away any names just yet, but there are some cheaper forwards anywhere from 100 to 200,000 cheaper that you could argue 
have the same scoring potential as Tom Phillips. They've got equal little question marks about them too. But that's where it gets challenging, doesn't it? Where he's kind of in that interesting price point where you go, there's value. He could be, I I think he could be a top 10 forward in dream team in AFL fantasy. I'm not so convinced of that in Supercoach. Like right now he's ranked, I think it's 18th in Supercoach and in the mid 30s, Oh, sorry, in Supercoach's mid-30s, Dream Team and Fantasy, it's about 18. So I, I, I can see a world where he climbs towards the top 10 in Dream Team and Fantasy. But just as you mentioned, he doesn't impact the game um, and isn't damaging at points of the game like an inside player can be uh, or an Andrew Gaff type. He's not that sort of wingman. Yeah, that's where it gets awkward to pick him, doesn't it? Yeah, particularly Supercoach. I think even though he had a down year this year, he's only, what, about 15 points down on his normal Supercoach average? Yeah, it's not as much as the others yet. Yeah, it's not as much. And his Supercoach average from a couple of years ago wouldn't really likely put him in the top sort of few Supercoach forwards anyway. Wouldn't think even in those years. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a harder sell in Supercoach. Um, fantasy definitely seems the most likely one where you could sit on him for quite a while and if you needed to flip him late in the year, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but it probably depends on where you spend your money and if you need to pick someone like him over a danger to start round one, just due to money, something like that. It's true. And it might get to that point for people, isn't it? It's like where you might have to go, look, what's the point scoring over the first 10 games between in Dream Team? Now it's different in Supercoach, Danger and Phillips. Maybe it is only 100, 150 points over the first... 12 games of the year, right up to the buy. Could you make up that with that 150K or 200K you've saved on another player in another line? All of a sudden that's taking a potential, you know, Wayne Miller type, who's a perfectly fine defender, not knocking him at all. That might be enough to go and get you a Zach Williams who might be able to maximize or even outscore that 10 to 15 points a week that you lose. And again, Flip has shown that he can score 90s and 100s comfortably through that wing role, which is his to take. So I agree. I, I think in, in AFL fantasy, if you're looking for value in your forward line, he's going to give that to you. In Dream Team, you're going to need him to go that mid-80s at, at a bare minimum to make that value work for you. While Super Coach you're predicting a career year. And given the forwards we have at the top price and the forwards that have got some value under that 350K, I, I don't think I could advocate for him in Supercoach, but the other formats, are, I'm up for starting him in those formats. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much uh, along the same lines at the moment. All right. Well, let's talk about what we're going to do with him in drafts. I think, you know, every format and it requires a different strategy. You hear that from us all the time here at the coaches panel, but definitely in drafts, he, where you pick him in one format as opposed to the other is a little different. Cause I think in dream team in AFL fantasy or ultimate footy scoring leagues, he's got the potential to be an F1. I wouldn't draft him as that, but he's got the potential to be that. Whereas in super coach, I don't think he's got the potential to be an F1. Um, where are you picking him across the formats? Is you know he's a top twenty ranked forward at the moment in DT and Supercoach, and in Supercoach he's top forty. Is that about the right place to go get him, or is there better value beneath him? Uh, it's probably about right in Dream Team Fantasy, I reckon. Yeah, he's somewhere around there. If you get him as your F two, you probably wouldn't mind that. If you get him at F three, you'd be laughing. I think you'd be pretty wrapped with that, assuming. 
nothing funny happens and the Hawks do lock him into their best 22 in that role. Um, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to go too early. Like, there's always some drafts, I mean, where someone will go and say, oh, this guy, Tom Phillips, you know, he's a, he's a good underpriced guy for AFL fantasy. So they'll go out and they'll take him as their first forward. And you think you've, it feels annoying because it's like they've ruined the value of him for someone else to pick. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no value taking him as your first forward because you'd be able to get someone who's an actual premium um, without the risk. So oh, exactly. it's like, yeah. Well, you mentioned that, you know, you know, if you get him at some F2, of those F2. names that had poor seasons that we mentioned, you know, the Greens, the Dunkleys, um, and, and the Heaney's, just as a pure example. That would be available for your F1. Maybe not Dunkley. There's a fair bit of preseason hype about Josh, but those other two, you'd comfortably be able to get them in the third round, if not before, if not the fourth, maybe. They might even slide as your F1 and flipper you can go and grab. So yeah, I, I agree. I think DT and AF uh, scoring perfectly fine as an F2. Got the potential to be your F1, but you don't want to draft him as that. Whereas in Supercoach, yeah, I, I feel much more confident um, lining him up. Um, at a at a F3 positioning, I, I'm pretty happy. I think if he's your F2, um, you're expecting a 90, 85, 90 year, um, which is possible, but you probably don't have to do that on draft day. I think you can get some better value in some other lines ahead of him and get him at F3. And if he pushes to the F2 and is a top 20 forward, great. I just don't think he can go much beyond that top 20 sort of range. I think anything outside of the top 15 is outside of him in super coach. And um, in that format, I'm not too keen on him, but the others I'm with you, man. I think he's got some value. Hey, appreciate your thoughts talking about a former teammates. And when I mean teammate, I mean teammate that you supported. You did. Yep, not cheers. And um, just last one on, he's not too bad of value in keeper leagues either. Yeah. Probably yet. Cause he's only 24. So he should have a few years just, Keeping in mind that after this year, sorry, after 2021, he'll probably be a nine, low 90s mid. Which, again, is perfectly fine. But this is the year you want to own him. This is the year where you get the prime value, where you get the high 80s, low 90s, you know, ultimate footy keeper league um, sort of value out of him. What would you sell him? Would you sell him in a keeper league this year if you have him? Or, or would you just go, you know, what? I've held him through a tough last year. I, I want my reward in 2021. Yeah, I'd say this is the time to sell him. Now that he's got forward status, his value is yep. never going to be any higher than it is at the moment. So, Get yourself yeah. a young gun. Get yourself a, a premium at another level. Again, you're right. A 90 forward, that sounds nice. A 90 mid, well, you probably redraft for one of them. Yeah, probably the only reason I wouldn't try and sell him is if you're in contention and your forward line was rubbish. <laughs> yeah, if you've lost a few players and it, and he is your F1 in a keeper league before you do your delisting, then uh, yeah, maybe that is the case. Uh, some nice thoughts from you on keeper league as well. Hey, Tim, appreciate your work as ever. Yep, cheers. If you're going to go and out that article or the one from yesterday on Jeremy Cameron, that is available for you at coachespanel.tv. You can grab this episode and all the other ones that are to come via Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your Apple Podcasts. So looking forward to catching up and listening through them. You can stream and download them as you see fit. And if you want to get some exclusive content and early access to these podcast episodes, well, our Patreons, they are getting that a day ahead of everybody else. If uh, you want to find out who's at number 48, like now, 
jump over to coachespanel.tv, sign up to our Patreon army, and you can get full access to that. Until this time tomorrow, from me and everyone else here at the Coaches Panel, well, we'll chat to you soon.